0: What a wonderful truth that song brings to our hearts this morning. That song was written by a lady whose daughter had gone off into the world, had gone dark on her, she didn't even know where she was, didn't know what was happening, knew that she was involved in some very dark and wicked things. And they would pray and fast and and then one day she walked into the church after years of being off and in her own and finding her way into the pigsty of this world and came back and She wrote that song, He's Been Faithful, Faithful to Me. It's kind of interesting. That's kind of what we're talking about today. We're talking about three things that were lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. One of a hundred, one of ten, and one of two. Luke chapter 15, if you would please in your Bibles, you'll look here. The Lord Jesus is now, of course, in the last part of his ministry, and he has two groups of people following him. Some come to hear him, and come, some come to murmur against him. The people who came to hear him were the publicans and sinners. The common man heard him gladly. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And unfortunately, the religious people of the day, the, the Pharisees and the scribes, they didn't come. To hear, they came to murmur. By the way, I think that's probably the case in this room. People come to church one of two ways. To hear from God or to complain about something they didn't like. To complain or to murmur about it's too cold, it's too hot, it's too long, it's too short. Something didn't like go exactly the way I'd like for it to go. And, you know, I found, in, I found myself in both those categories over my 56 years of breathing air. Sometimes I'm just all self-absorbed and I come in with something to say or something to complain about, somebody else to criticize, instead of coming to hear. The Bible says when you come to the house of God, be ready to hear and not to give a word of sacrifice of fools. Listen to what the Bible has to say. Look at verse number one, would you please? We're looking at um, Luke chapter 15. The Bible says this, then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners, and notice what they came for, ready, everyone together, for to, for to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, they said what? They murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So you have two people following two groups of people, one ready to hear him, the other ones criticizing and murmuring that he would spend time with sinners and publicans. You know, the church really is not a pristine place for people who get dolled up. It's really a hospital for sick people. It's a place where we get help for our wounds and encouraged from our difficulties. We get help from the Lord. Well, these folks knew they needed help. And so the Lord Jesus, listening to the complaints of of those who felt like they were all that in a bag of chips, religiously, criticized him, how dare him spend time with the publicans. And the publicans were were Jewish people at the time who worked for the Roman government to extract taxes from Jewish people. So they found them as traitors, and they oftentimes were uh, dishonest Zacchaeus was an example of one of those years ago. We find that in Luke chapter 19. We'll meet him in just a few chapters from now. But uh, they were publicans and they were sinners, but they listened to the Lord. The others murmured. And when he did that, when they murmured, he focused his attention on a story. Three stories. One story is about a shepherd who was gathering his sheep at night. He had a hundred of them. And each of them came in, and he counted them, and instead of being 100, it was 99. 99 were in the fold, and it was nighttime, been a long day, and he got them all into the hedges, and now he can't find one. One is missing. And he's one of 99, and yet he decides, you know what, he's very valuable, I need to go find him. Look, if you would please at the Scriptures, you can see it for yourself in verse number three. And he spake a parable, and a parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. Would you say that with me? It's an earthly story with a... So it's it's an earthly story. It's a story about relative things that we understand, but it's bringing a spiritual truth. So he spoke a parable unto them, saying, verse number four, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he find it. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. He's referring to the people there that are murmuring. He says, you know, let me tell you a story. He told him a story about a man who has a hundred sheep and he came in one night, he was tired himself and got them all together and realized he had one missing. But he wasn't satisfied to say, you know what, it doesn't matter about the one. I'll just, we'll have more babies in the spring and we'll just make up for that one. No, no. That night he went out and he, the Bible says he searched until he found them. And then he puts them over his shoulders, a type of, of security. John chapter 10, verse number 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and, and uh, they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. He said, I have them and I have them secured. And on the way back, he's whistling, he's excited, he's rejoicing. And when he gets home, he tells his friends, hey, come over, rejoice with me. The one that I lost, I found. Just one of a hundred, but they're back. Rejoice with me. And Jesus said, that's the way it is in heaven. When one person comes to salvation and gets rescued by the Lord, he said, there is joy in the presence of God. Of heaven. Let me just say, occasionally we have people who get saved in this room. Maybe this morning someone needs to get saved. Boy, there ought to be rejoicing in your heart. This morning when we have someone baptized, you don't want to slip out if you don't have to. You ought to rejoice and say, boy, I remember when I got saved. I remember when I got baptized. It's their special day. I want to cheer them on. I want to rejoice. Just like heaven's rejoicing, we don't want to miss out on heaven's rejoicing. He said, boy, are you guys... There's as much joy over one who repents than 99 who think they have no need for repentance. Look at the next one. So we see one of a hundred. Now we see one of 10. Here's another story that Jesus tells them, beginning in verse number eight. Either what woman hath 10 pieces of silver, a Roman, a coin. If she lose one piece, doth not light the candle and sweep the house and diligently till she find it. If when she had found it, She calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you that there's a joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. Here he tells another story. It's kind of interesting. The the sheep, whatever happened there, the situation, it just didn't get with the flock it meandered off on its own. Maybe it was just carelessness on top of the shepherd, just not getting it to there, but the, the sheep got lost. And sheep, the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep kind of wandered off, and maybe not willfully, but just they easily to get lost. But then the coin doesn't lose itself. The coin doesn't grow legs and just run away from its owner. The coin, for whatever reason, is it, misplaced. And the Bible says that this particular lady really starts looking for this coin. It's it's bothered her. It's just one of ten, but it's it's still very important to her. It's no fault of the coin, but to the lady, it's very valuable. And the Bible says that she takes a lamp. She takes a a light and she looks underneath, moves her couch, moves her her bed. She's looking everywhere until she finds it. It's been an arduous time trying to find it, but when she finds it, She calls her friends and says, hey, come rejoice with me. That coin I was telling you I missed, I found it. I had to look for it. I had to put light on it. You know, the light is is a type of the gospel. There are many people that are in this world. There are people you know and people I know that are not saved. And they may be just, just, they need the light. They need someone to look for them. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save. You you and I ought to be always on soul patrol. If you're saved, you ought to be looking for somebody else who needs to be saved. You ought to make sure you have your New Testament, your Bible, a gospel track available with you where you can invite invite someone to consider Jesus. Ask someone, could could I share with you from the Bible how you could be saved? Jesus said, we're the light of the world. And she needed a light and she went and searched and she found. It was just one of ten, but it was very important. So we have one out of 100. We have one in 10. Now the Lord will tell us a story about the prodigal son. Very popular story. The overtones of the whole three stories are to challenge religious people to rejoice when someone is out of the way and comes back home. When somebody is lost and they get found. When someone is unsaved and they get saved. When someone comes back to the Lord. It's it's challenging. It's it's in the face of the Pharisees and telling them, listen, you need to rejoice. If heaven's rejoicing, you ought to rejoice too. Now he tells the story, one of two. Two brothers, two sons of a certain man. Let's look at the story if we can, please. By the way, verse number 11, the Bible says, And a certain man had how many sons? And the younger of them said unto his father, Give me. The portion of goods which befalleth me, and he divided into him is living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous or immoral, frivolous, wicked living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land that he was at, and he began to be in want. He began to find himself needing someone. His fair-weather friends were no doubt gone. The girls he had spent money on had left him in the dust. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, one one of the foreigners there, and he sent him into his field to feed pigs, swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. An interesting story, we're familiar with this story. It's one of two, two boys, and he's the younger. The older normally would get two-thirds of a two-son, a and it wouldn't be equally divided from what I understand. The older guy would get a little bit more as the older son, but the younger son, he came to his father and he says, give me the portion of my inheritance. I want my inheritance early. Give it to me and be done. You know, it's a couple things that I just will say this this is not really, it's not in context, but I think there's several things to think about. What's missing in the story of the prodigal son? I think number one, the partner's missing. Where's the mama? Where's the mama in the situation that speaks up and said, no, honey, you, you can't do this. It's not time. And by the way, it's important when we raise children that mom and dad get on the same page. It's important that mom and dad, the best thing you can do for your kids is stay deeply in love with God and their mother. With God and their dad. And figure it out. How you can work it out. Only by pride cometh contention. And you can find it. You can, you can fight your rights and you can write yourself right out of a great relationship. But here we find, where's, where's mama? Mama didn't show up in this story. I find, where's the protest? Where's the dad that says, no, son. That's not going to be the best thing. I don't think it's a good idea. Where's the preacher that warns him and says, you're you're out of line here. You're tired of your dad's rules. You're tired of all the things you have. You want to quit working and go out and do what you want to do. And by the way, it's in most every young man and young woman to try it out in the world. Let me tell you, the world has nothing for you. Stay out of Babylon. Don't go back into the world. It's crazy, and I've said this before, but it's sad to me that many people on a Wednesday night, we raised hands in here, how many people got saved as adults? And you're a first-generation Christian. The predominant part of this church family have been saved as adults. You know what that means? A lot of folks who got saved out of sin, their kids were raised in this church and no longer faithful to the Lord Jesus. I don't think you have to be here to be faithful to the Lord Jesus, First Baptist Church. But second-generation Christians, and we've been doing a study on, on Wednesday night in the book of the Revelation, people that are second-generation Christians, they, 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 they forget how wonderful it is to be saved. And when you get saved young, thank God for that. He saves you out of a life of sin, from a life of sin, not out of a life of sin. We need to have gratitude in our hearts. But this, there's no preacher here. There's no protest. There's no There's no prayer. We don't have prayer in this particular story. I'm, I, it's a story that Jesus gives, but I think there's a couple things that we can consider. I think one of the greatest things, and we think it's not very important, because we, we vote with our, we, with our actions how valuable we have prayer. Tonight we'll have prayer here at 5.30 tonight, right over here in this room. I hope everybody can come, can come. I hope we're standing room only. I'd like to encourage you to come And Wednesday night. We'll have prayer again there at 6.30, especially in this month. We'll pray. There are other prayer requ- prayer places you can take. There's a there's a prayer meeting at uh, at five thirty upstairs too, and there's one there's one here, and there's one upstairs on that thing. But I hope you'll find a place to pray. But prayer is valuable if you think it's important. You'll pray. But there's no prayer here. There's no preacher. There's no partner. There's no mama that objects. There's no there's no prophecy that's saying, "Hey, I'm warning you. Don't do this, buddy. Don't do this." And sometimes when people are grabbing hold of a greasy pole, they just they, there's no stopping for it. And there's people you kind of warn, you warn them, and they just, they just, you tell them, listen, don't go the way of the world. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't rebel against your mom and dad. And they still grab hold of it, and they, there's no stopping till you hit a, a very hard bottom. Well, this fellow would do that. He went out, and he found himself with a lot of money and made himself a lot of fair-weather friends, and drinks are on him. Lived and righteous in a far away, as get as far away as I can from my dad, as far away from that in a far country, with foreigners and trying to figure some things out, and then of course, the season of sin is. It, the Bible says there's there is pleasure in sin for a season. Let me just tell you something, just in case you need to be reminded, sin season is very short. It is pleasurable, but it's a short pleasure. Your first day of getting drunk, that was your best day of getting drunk. Your first day of lying and gambling, that was your best day. Your first day of getting into an immorality or pornography, that was your best day. It's going to go down and down and down after that. That's the way sin is. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go. It always keeps you longer than you want to stay. It always costs you more than you want to pay. That's why the Bible says, make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill the lust thereof. Love Jesus Christ. Stay on the high road of holiness. Don't get into the ditch. God gave us the Bible so we can know how to be saved. So we can be successful. So we can be mature. But also so we would know what's not right and how to be instructed in righteousness. So we can stay right with the Lord. Let the word of God help you with that. Some of you, you you don't read your Bible except for when you come to church. God help you. Wake up and smell the coffee. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. Sin complicates life. And I don't care if you're 7 or 75. You're never too old. Don't ever get into the situation, well, I've been there and done that, and I am good, I bought a few T-shirts myself. No, you haven't. You need to stay faithful, all of us, all the way. Everybody doing what they're supposed to do. Mama, read your Bible. Daddy, read your Bible. Grandma, Grandpa, stay faithful to the Lord. Give. Serve. Love, live. Why? Because there is lost. All this whole chapter is about the lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. Some of you have lost children. And they're struggling. And you know it. It Breaks your heart. Nothing quite breaks the heart of a mom and dad, especially a godly parent, like a wayward child. By the way, if you're one of those wayward children, I hope you you will decide, you know what, I want to come home. This guy did. And the Bible says he came to himself. When he came, you know, no one ever comes to God until they first come to themselves. If, if you don't need God, you're not going to come to him. But this guy finally came to himself. And when he came to himself and he saw himself for who he was, a fella that was raised right, that had the blessings of so many things, sitting there with a bunch of oink-oinks, Causing husk of corn to look like it. I might want to try that. I don't know if you can imagine that. I was with a pig not too long ago. And I don't, there's nothing he ate I was interested in. I didn't like to be around him. They stink. But here he finds this Jewish boy right there in a bunch of swine. And looking at what he's eating and thinking, man, I probably need to eat some of that so I can get some nourishment. And he finally says, you know, what am I doing? He came to himself, and then it came to another thought. Let's look and see what the Bible tells us real quickly. Chapter 15 and verse number 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. He said, Even the guys that work for my dad, they got more food than they can eat, and I'm sitting here with a bunch of pigs. in the pigsty of the world, on a pile of wish I would have. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, would you read the rest of the verse with me? I have sinned against and before thee. By the way, whenever we sin, all sin is first and foremost against God. David said, against thee and thee only have I. I don't care if it's a moment of pride, if it's a smart eloquent remark to your spouse. It's, you first sinned against God. That girl, sir, is God's daughter. That man, ma'am, is God's son. The roles God has picked for you. And anytime we sin, our sin is first against God, and then it's against others. He said, I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to tell him, Lord, Daddy, I have sinned against heaven first, and I've sinned against you. By the way, we're a fool to think that when we do something wrong, we only hurt ourselves. I've had people try to convince me that my whole time of working with them. Well, what I do only hurts me. You're you're crippled too high for crutches. You're a few French fries short of a Happy Meal to believe that. No, no, when you sin, you affect everybody else around you. But all sin is first before God. He figured that out. When he came to himself, he said, you know what? I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my dad. Let's look at it and see what he says here in verse number 18. I will arise and go, and of course verse 19, I'm sorry, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Dad, don't, don't call me your son. He opens up this statement, Dad, Father. The last time his father spoke to him, he said, Father, he spoke to his father. He said, Father, give me. Now he says, Father, make me one of thy hired servants. He said, Dad, don't call me son. I'm going to go back and just ask you, would you let me at least work for you? Put me on the bottom of the totem pole. Let me work for you. Verse 20, and he rose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Isn't this wonderful that the father didn't say, oh, here you are. Yeah, boy, you look really good. You don't have shoes on. Your clothes about ready to fall off of you. You're skinny as a rail. It's about time you get back here. No, no. His father saw him a great way off, and he didn't wait for him to come to the porch. He ran off the porch. And he ran to meet him. And he had compassion on him, and he loved him. As we conclude our message today, this whole message is about the lost. By the way, why are we putting a church in North Chicago? One reason, the lost so people can get saved, that's why. Why are we gathered today? Well, quite frankly, if we're gathered here for the right reason, we're gathered so you and I will get stirred up to tell someone else about Jesus, to recover somebody from the error of their ways. Churches is is a time of like a halftime of a football game. We come and learn a few things we're doing right and a few things we're doing wrong, and get out there and let's get the job done in your communities, and where you are, and what you're doing. So many of us, we think church is all for us. So we just come and sit and soak and sour, have a few critical words from time to time about how we think things are really going. We're really supposed to be foot soldiers. We're supposed to be players on the field, and the field is not the church. The field is the world. That's why we give. That's why we pray. That's why we go. So many of us are so self-absorbed, we think the church is a drive-thru Starbucks. It's supposed to serve us. I want to have what I want when I want it. Truth of the matter is, we're coming together as a called out assembly to go do something for the lost. I want you to notice also the heart of the Father. And here we had a shepherd, we had a woman, and we have a daddy that's seeking and trying to wait. Some had to wait for them to come back around. By the way, there's people I'm waiting on. There's people I've gone through the whole gospel with, and I'm waiting for God to bring them. I can't save them, but I'm praying they'll come to God. There's other folks I'm seeking with the light of the gospel and with the word of God to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. But God loves the lost, and the Father's heart is a heart of reconciliation. As he closes out the chapter, he tells us about boy number two. Boy number two comes home, and he's now he's given him a robe. He's put a ring on his finger. He's now told the, the servants... That fat cat we got, fat calf we got, that cow we've been fattening up, it's time for party. Go kill that thing, we're going to eat well tonight. My son that was dead, he's alive. My son that was away, I didn't know he was alive, he's back. So they begin to commence their gathering and the older brother comes home from the field and he said, what's going on with the party? And he calls one of the servants, he doesn't go see his dad. He calls one of his servants to tell me what's going on. He said, your brother, he's home. The one that was gone, he's back, and dad's ecstatic. We're going to have a party. And he refused to go in. He refused to participate with the party. He was angry with his dad. You know what's beautiful? His dad comes out and meets him. By the way, sometimes I think God has come to meet me when I feel like I'm better than other people, and I'm not so happy when something happens good for God. But, you know, the loving father comes out and says, son, you're my son. You didn't ever give me a calf so I could have fun with my friends. When am I going to do a party? I've been here the whole time. (laughs) He said, look, son, you've been here. What What I have is yours. But don't you understand, my son who was lost is now found. My son that was dead is now alive. Come join the party. But he didn't. He said, I'm not going in. The pharisaical group. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm in the group that's ready to hear from God. I'm not in the group that murmurs and complains. This whole overtones, three wonderful stories. A lost sheep, a lost coin, a lost son. The overtones are to help those of us who've been saved a while to stay fervent and rejoicing when people get saved. That's the overtones. Lots of other things we can learn about it.